Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of The Anti-Racist Economy with Kim Creighton. As the anti-racist economist, Kim is dedicated to building a future that is supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation-free. Each episode, join Kim and myself, Aaron Mills, as we discuss the intersection of current events, pop culture, and social change, ever exploring the critical dynamics of anti-racism and psychological safety in today's world. Hi, Kim. Hello, Aaron. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I want to get right into it. Yes. So this will air in a few weeks. But yesterday we all woke up to learn that Twitter was no longer Twitter. <laughs> what do you think of the new name? Well, oh well it's a hot damn mess with everything he does. <laughs> um, it was so he he I've been reading a lot of articles on this. And finally, these reporters and are, are, are now seeing patterns. And they're not lauding him as this genius anymore. They're seeing this chaos because he had this X.com when he, when his company joined with Twit, uh, with PayPal back in 99, I think it was. And he had this idea of this all encompassing app back then. <clears throat> he is so bad at being an entrepreneur and a manager. They kicked his ass out because of all the issues that were happening because he shut down. He was trying to make this thing thing. Now, um, PayPal has its own issues, um, but it is a whole new world since then. We don't need, first of all, with his behavior on Twitter, there's no way in fuck I'm going to give him any financial, my financial information for shit. I'm not, that's not going to happen. Um, so he's trying to turn Twitter into, um, they say it's WeChat that's in, China, that you can do financial, you can do audio, video, financial transactions. And I, I don't trust you as a business leader. So I'm not, your beha- your public behavior shows that you would, in particular, says you would, you would see me as woke and left-leaning. You would not prioritize my safety and my data. And so no, I'm not doing that. And the fact that he, so he's been wanting to do this shit for a while. Early in the year, he bought, um, so he rebought the domain from PayPal, I think it was 2017. So he's been sitting on this. He's been wanting to do this shit for a while. The landscape has changed. We don't need that. We have Zelle, we have Venmo, we have uh, PayPal, we have Cash App, um, we have Wise. So it's not even hard to do send money internationally anymore. We have, um, I have a fucking bank. Why would I, what? It makes, I have credit cards. What, what? No, I'm not doing that with you. Um, and so he decided on Saturday night, I think it was maybe Sunday morning, because it was after 12. Hey, he went to his millions of, you know, um, sycophants and said he was going to change it. And this was, a, this was, people are saying this came out of nowhere. Even the new CEO didn't know what the fuck was going on. That's what I've heard too. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> and this again was why what white women get when they, when they yoke themselves to a fucking maniac. So I have no empathy. No, well, I don't do empathy. And I, I, at this point, I can't extend her grace. She needs to learn this lesson. If she comes back and tell me if she can say, articulate what lesson she learned, then we, but uh, not right now. No, boo, you, you, you made this bed. You're going to lie in it. And it makes absolutely no sense. You took a fucking, so even the fact that he didn't bring in a fucking graphic, I mean, a designer, you, this is a fucking Unicode symbol. You can't copyright that fool. It's a fucking X. 
all the 15 years of brand awareness. We say tweets. I don't give a fuck what platform we're using. We talk about tweets. We talk about retweets. All of that's gone because you were up probably smoking some shit in the middle of the night. So then yesterday, they, he, they, in San Francisco, he hired somebody to take the shit off the side of the building. They have to shut that down because he didn't motherfucker didn't even get the permit from the city to, it's like just the simplest shit. You cannot just block off a street, you asshole. You can't have people in a crane just pop up on, no. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> I just saw the Barbie movie this week with my children and there is a Will Ferrell character, right? Who's like the prototypical, like zany, crazy CEO. I mean, and this is real life. This is real life. Like this should be a Will Ferrell character in a movie ripping down, uh, you know, a giant just logo off the building. nonsense. Like it's just... <laughs> And when we talk about constantly systems, institutions, and policy, we talk about strategy, we talk about none of nothing he does is strategic. It's just blowing an idea out his ass and then asking people, asking his sycophants, going back to it, why do rehab the false, the the fallacy of um, the falsehood of, um, hold on, what did I call it? Give me a second. Um, um, It is the falsehood uh validated perspective that's all he gets on twitter is the falsehood of validated perspective i know and i'm on the site right now i just i mean it's so slapped on it's like because you can still see tweets everywhere you you can see the language it says are you new to twitter join today yes there's just an x on their creative their former creative and on their fibacon yeah yeah, there was no strategic plan in this shit. It was him. He made a decision, and then now everybody has to scurry, scurry around to, to 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 make that shit happen. Oof. Yep. Oof. That's all you can say. So I just sit back. I, I very seldom post anymore. I'm just there for the for the fuck up. I'm just there to watch. And and and, and add it to another. Add, grab another data point. Well, speaking of oof. We're here to talk about a pretty big one. So what's the this what's this week's trigger? <laughs> this week's trigger is the Supreme Court's ruling on affirmative action, which happened a few weeks ago. You were traveling, and mm-hmm. this episode's going to air in just a few weeks here. But we are going to unpack what your view is on on that, and what a lot of folks are discounting. Right, we're going to really talk about what is affirmative action. How did it come to be? Who did it really benefit, mm-hmm. right? So what does this truly mean, right? Uh, how people are reacting, what that what that tells us. So yeah, definitely going to be a rich conversation. Okay, so then I want you to, um, we're going to treat this as a classroom, as yeah. a, as a um, where you ask me questions. Right, so let's just start with at very, at the most fundamental level, what was affirmative action and who was benefiting? Okay, so I just pulled up Britannica, affirmative Mm -hmm. affirmative action in the U.S., um, an active effort to improve employment or educational opportunities for members of minority groups and for women. Affirmative action, so now pay attention to that because it's Mm -hmm. minority groups and for women. Affirmative action began as a government remedy 
and its efforts um, of on for uh, its efforts of longstanding discrimination against such groups and and what and has consisted of policies, programs, procedures that give limited pre preference to minorities and women in job hiring, um, admission to institutions of higher education, and the reward of government contracts and other social benefits. The typical criteria for affirmative action are race, disability, gender, ethnic or um, ethnic origin, and age. It affirmative action was instituted in the administration of Lyndon Johnson between um, he was in office between 1963 and 1969 in order to improve the opportunities. So now listen to this now. In order to improve the opportunities for African Americans, while civil war while civil rights leg legislation was dismantling the legal basis for discrimination. So that is what you need to know. Although these other groups, disability, gender, ethnic um, origin and age benefited, it was designed specifically for African-Americans. And I don't use that term. So I'll say black folks who live in, in the United States because, all, sister, because we had Jim Crow, we had all that shit that was discriminating us against us. So it was a part of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and was an executive order in 1965. Again, let's talk about it was, uh, it was designed specifically to address the discrimination that Black people in the United States were have been dealing with because of systems, institutions, and policies rooted in white supremacy and anti-Blackness. All right, now, now we know what it is. What's your next question? Sure. So that's what it was designed to do mm -hmm. and who it was designed for. But who did it actually benefit? White women. <laughs> so something, once again, that was designed to benefit Black people who inherently, um, that we were legally property at one point, that after the Civil War, people lied and said it was about, it was about, it was the fact that it's white Southerners wanted to continue slavery. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said if he could keep the, keep the union intact and keep slavery, he would have. So he wasn't some damn big emancipator. He, it was just, it, it just shit hit the fan and he had to do with, you know, it was slavery became the thing that they could not fucking avoid. Um, and then after slavery, they became, black people were, you know, were in reconstruction. We were getting, we were, um, the first time we were in Congress that white folks couldn't handle that shit. And that was not just in the North, South, it was all over the country. And so we started, they started instituting in the South Jim Crow laws, but all other places, very discriminatory laws so that black people couldn't be in unions, all kinds of shit. I mean, we saw that after World War II, when with the New Deal, how white folks, how white men came back from the war and were getting GI bills for homes and, and education, whereas black, black soldiers weren't allowed those things. So there was a whole litany of shit that the Civil Rights Act was supposed to address that was supposed to, again, this is why I don't believe in fucking e equality. It's all about equity. And so when you, so they thought about equality. This was all about fucking equality. This is why this segregation was put into place. All of these things, separate but equal. We've never been fucking equal. And so when you say it's equal, then white women benefit because they not only benefit from white supremacy and anti-Blackness, but they get to be equal under benefiting from these programs. And 
were there, I, I'm not, I, I'm not privy to, were there quotas in place or I, I don't even know how it some benefited. Places, some places, yeah. they, I'm thinking at the beginning, I can't remember because I remember being young, people talking about quotas. Right. But um, I think, I don't think that was a mandate in the law. Now right. we have to have an attorney, you know, somebody similar. Sure. But what I think is that's how companies instituted it. Right. Right. And we don't know how, and right. Like, but, but again, I mean, if women are kind of grouped into this sector, then they can just check the box with the there white women, exactly. right? That's what I we're saying. Exactly. Right. It's not like they're exactly. saying you need to have this many black folks yes. and this many Asian yes. or Latinx folks. It was just like, that's oh, how great. you got a whole bunch of women in DNI yeah. roles. DNI right. roles. Um, their white women are considered di- di- um, diversity, and they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, something that was designed for black people, white folks figured out a way to benefit from. And this is why I say systems, institutions, and policies. This is why I say this shit ain't broken. This is why I said there's nothing to fix. This is how it's, it's designed. Because if it was designed the way they quote unquote intended, then black folks would be overwhelmingly um, benefiting from this. But also, again, you know, I'm always talking about this is not a binary issue. Right. So even when black people were quote unquote allowed in the room, we were allowed in the room as long as we behaved like white people. So it's about assimilation. So even in these spaces, they were traumatizing to us. Even in academia, there's so many Black women who have, and this is my story. This is why I stopped pursuing my doctorate. Everything about the academia is designed to harm me. Everything about it. And yet, for me to be qualified, quote unquote, qualified in the room, I need those pieces of paper. So you're forcing me to go into a space that's designed to harm me. It's not designed to accommodate me. It's a d- design for me to, be, to assimilate. That's why Black women had to straighten their hair. That's why Black women had to, you know, all of these things. It was not welcoming for Black people. It was, okay, okay, the law said we got to let you in, but only if you behave in a certain way. That's why we co- folks code switch and all this other shit. So once again, something that was designed, so it was never about accommodating us. So this is why affirmative action was never going to work for us. There was nothing put in place saying that when you bring these Black people in, that their protection had to be prioritized. And as much as it was not even benefiting the original intended audience. we, We got in. Sure. We got in, but it right. wasn't pleasant. And to, we also don't don't know what to what degree though you were prioritized, like over white women. Oh well, I know it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. 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 So so here is a system that's obviously far from perfect that might might be adding some level of benefit, but no level of as you said, accommodation. Really yeah. just no level the, of safety, no level right. of welcoming, no level of nothing. Yeah. Right. Just the bare minimum to again yeah. to check a box yeah, and to, to move on. Mm-hmm. And, and yes. And right. to say, oh, we're, we're, look at them. We got some black folks. Right. Yep. That's like so, when every time there's a DNI, they bring that one black person out and have them sit cheesing right in front of the camera. Right. It's the trophy. It's the trophy yep. black person. And it's why people say, well, I have a black friend. Like <laughs> it's just what, but what's something you said to me that was super interesting before we hopped on was, and again, so here's a poorly designed system that's not benefiting optimally. No, 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 the, you're wrong. You're wrong. Oh, it's a strategically designed, a strategically designed system there you go. There that you is, go. let me, let me, that's poorly benefiting the intended yes. audience. Yes. And that and words matter. So it's very important to, to make that distinction. Thank mm-hmm. you. And 
black folks aren't even able to dismantle it and to to improve the system right so here so it takes literally white people to dismantle their own system and so let's that, talk about that because yeah. we talk about the modern model minority myth white people have been funding asians for a very long because again they have the model minority they have to be smart they have to, they only, they have to behave in certain ways. They have to, they have to be straight A's. So this was the perfect group to put against black people for them to say, oh, I've checked every box. I got, I am the smartest person in the room and I still can't get in to these colleges and universities. But the research does not, um, and so, but two things, when you dig behind who's funding it, it's always a white supremacist organization. So white so let me explain what what because one of your questions was what is the model minority myth <clears throat> the model minority myth is when they open around the same time when they open up immigration um they folks who come in and 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 as long as they weren't they didn't act and or socialize with black people so there was a lot of overt and covert communication of that so if you think about Chinese Americans who, I'm not talking about San Francisco who has like a long history of being here because they, they that was a whole, that's a whole nother thing about how they were treated or whatever. But let's say South, Af South Asians, when, when they started letting people from India and Pakistan come to the United States, they had to perform. They, if they got here because of they like I know somebody who I used to be friends with her parents were doctors and they came because they needed doctors in rural places so they let them in but they had to perform in a certain they had to behave in a certain way and the unwritten truth was you can do anything you want to to be close to whiteness as long as you are against blackness and you can't and people can't tell me that's not true because we see it all the time even Africans who come to the United States do, are, are told not to um, fraternize with Black um, um, U.S. citizens, particularly who, Black women. Who is this something that their own cultures are telling yes. them? Is like, is yes. it your way, is I know, your way yes. in? I know, like several, I know several Africans who are told when they come over here <clears throat> not to fraternize with Black U.S. citizens. Because we ever you can be anything but not black. You can you can do and see this is where the this is why it's not a mistake. Everybody who comes here gets to be on the ladder but us. So now you have um Indian um <clears throat> South Asian Americans, you have Chinese Americans, you have Korean Americans, <clears throat> you have um, um, um Nigerian Americans, they all get to live in their communities, don't they? And get to build businesses within their communities and Every time black folks in the U.S. descendants of slaves have tried that, they have massacred us. We have tons of examples. Every time we try to pull ourselves up from our bootstraps, they they come after us. And so, what better tool than to use a group of people who are told that they're better than us and who desire to assimilate into whiteness? that you're, you're welcome here as long as you do this work. Because then you get, white folks can keep their hands off of it. You know, it's, that ain't me, that's them. That's more of the other minorities. So 
every time they this because it's not the first case. This case has come up several times and they knocked it down because it wasn't perfect. So white supremacist organizations were funding this, and South African and 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 um and and not South African but Asian um American students, South Asian and Eastern Asian have been have traditionally been the plaintiffs in these cases to say that black people were taking their spots because again Asians role here is to be smart they came here specifically for work they came here for work for capitalists for work 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 they didn't come many of them did not come this is not the puritans where they came for religious they came here to work right so based on so when people say um, black, so with black representation in Ivy Leagues, Harvard was 6.6%, Yale, 6.5%, Brown, 7%, Princeton, 4.7%, Columbia, 5.1%, Cornell, 5.0%. White representation in um, historically black colleges and universities, 11.4%. So even at college and universities that were designed for Black people because they would not let us in white universities, white people are overrepresented in those spaces. By 100%, a factor of 100%, double. It is double. Like you yes. were literally saying, it's 5% at Harvard and in a historically yep. Black university, 10% white people. No, 11%. 11%, so more yep. than double. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yet we're the reason that you can't get in schools, but no one wants to talk about the legacies. We're not we're not um, the problem. It is. And so with this law, again, going back to dismantling. So what we talk about unintended consequences. So because they um, Supreme Court ruled against affirmative action, now these universities are now looking at their legacy um, at, um, admissions. And that includes legacy admissions, athletes, and um, I forgot what the other one is. Um, oh, uh, alums, kids. I mean, um, um, kids of people who work at the university. That's who get, that's who have majority of those spaces, not black folks. Right. But yet you want to use us as a, uh, as a because who, who are the legacy? It's white folks. It's whose parents can put a goddamn their money and put put their name on the building. It ain't us. So even even that is a lie. Even that narrative is a lie. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yes, we couldn't have dis, uh, uh, um, de- deconstructed this. It needed. It need. I say. I asked the question afterwards when everybody was upset. I basically my question was. Have you thought about they did us a service? Because for the first time, all of these people who've been getting on by on affirmative action, you've never had to fully compete with people who've been told their whole lives that they have to give 110%. White women about to get their ass ate up. I don't know what to tell y'all, but y'all ain't ready for this because y'all have been sliding by on so much shit. Being white women, being able to get that gender in. When you close all that, that's why I say white, you're not my, it's not, it's not me being angry or mean. It is, I look at the data, you're not my fucking equals. For a black person, and then they make it seem like for a black person to use affirmative action that we got in. Do you know how fucking great we had to be just to get in on affirmative action? 
had to be the top of the class, had to do, I mean, you had to be the best of the best of the best. Mm -hmm. So what's but these folks about to figure now the 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 there's an article that says uh, how the emissions practices of elite schools perpetuate the um, advantages of the wealthy. Now, the wealthy always going to be able to get in. Right. They're always going to be able to get in. So um, one of the things I, I was looking at, it says um, um, three of the uh, three factors underlining high income admissions advantages were not associated with better post-college outcomes. So these three um, things were, um, hold on, let me find them. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Students who attend Ivy League, Ivy Plus institutions disproportionately come from high income backgrounds, um, while only 10% of students scoring in the 90th percentile on SAT and SAT come from middle class homes attend Ivy Plus colleges. 40% of similar high scoring students from families in the top 1% of income do. Um, the top 10% of the top, sorry, students of the top 1% of income distributed are nearly twice as likely to be admitted into Ivy plus colleges compared to applicants of lower and middle-class families um, when you look at their ACT and SEC. So it's, and this is where I was, I, I was getting, I was getting frustrated because you have these white clients saying, oh yeah, we needed to get rid of affirmative action because it, it, we've, we, we, we've proved, uh, we've um, solved the race issue. Now we need to bring up the white people who, who um, have a, who only have a high school education. No motherfuckers. That ain't the problem there. You all fucking understand there are people who don't want to go to college and don't ever want to go to college. And that's what, but why does, why are you the false narrative that black people were taking up space from these poor or middle-class white folks who, who didn't get into college? Again, it's the narrative. When the facts show that these high-income folks are the ones who are getting into school. So it says, the author estimates that um, this is higher, that this higher admission rate extend, um, leads to um, 103 extra students being admitted from a top 1% of the typical um, Ivy Plus class of um, 1,600 students relative, relative to a theoretical benchmark where students are admitted at the same rate across the um, parental income distribution, distribution based on tax, um, test scores. In contrast, admission rates at flagship public colleges did not vary, uh, um, did not vary with um, um, uh, parental income conditions on students tax, but students from higher income families are more likely to apply to flagship public schools than non-flagships. Higher admissions rates among students with high income families are linked to three factors. Legacy preferences for students of alumni, higher non-academic ratings, and athletic uh, recruits. Mm -hmm. But yet, these these Asian folks are suing because Black folks are taking up their spaces. None of the data shows that. And see, this is where we're. And so, this is the problem. Well, first of all, the data doesn't uphold that. Doesn't right. prove that. But this is, again, where we're about to have a problem because it says the authors conclude that if we change their emissions policies, Ivy plus colleges could significantly diversify the socioeconomic backgrounds of America's highest earners and learner, um, lenders, um, leaders. 
three changes could make a substantial difference. Eliminating legacy preferences, evaluating non-academic characteristics in a fuller context um, to account for the effects of privilege and recruiting athletes more uniformly across the per, per, uh, per, um, par parental income distribution. So they have the fucking answers to this shit. Right. And this is why a lot of the colleges stop using SAT and ACT scores, because those, first of all, are rooted in white supremacy and anti-Blackness, um, just how they're designed, first of all. Second of all, high-income families can afford to bring in tutors and all this other shit to prep, to do st test prep. That doesn't make you smarter. That makes you, you've, you've been privileged. You have, you've been, mm -hmm. uh, you've been test prepped. Yep. And the data is showing that that does not, it does not show that you have better outcomes post-college. So, again, my question is, did they do us a favor? I say that they did. It's going to be harder for us. Yeah, everything's going to be hard. It's not nothing new. But for the first time, it's going to be for harder for a whole bunch of other folks. That's just it. And they don't, they don't know what's coming. They don't have the resiliency. They don't. This is going to be wild. It is. Well, it's I, when we were texting when the ruling came down, and I remember I I started texting you. This is shocking, and then I deleted it. <clears throat> and I wrote you. I said I was about to say this is shocking, because it's not shocking. Like this is what. <laughs> The system is designed to do white supremacy is designed. It's, it's operating exactly as designed. The Supreme yes. Court is operating exactly as designed. Um, and I, and I, I thought back to a previous episode when we were talking about election night and the SNL skit uh, with Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, the white New Yorkers are sitting around, you know, you rah, rah, Hillary. And then yeah. as the night unfolds, it continues to everyone's mood, somber, you know, the somber mood. And then- No, and, not you know, everyone. White not everyone. The white, thank you. Yes. yes. And mm -hmm. Chris Rock um, and- Chappelle. Thank you. Dave yeah, they're just like, yep. They're looking at each other and they're like- Like, why are you, what? Yeah. And so again, it, it's like, it's like white people's emotions getting like, oh, how horrific! Same thing with, it's the same thing with uh, with uh, um with Roe v. Wade. Yes. Why are y'all shocked? But unfortunately, it's taking when I'm looking at, I mean, there was a there's a, a young woman who just got sentenced to 90 days in jail for having an abortion. And unfortunately, that's what's going to have to take for y'all to figure this shit out. That y'all need to be in solidarity with the most vulnerable. Until that happens, it's an, oh, it's not my problem. That's why I said y'all need we need to get that white guilt doing right after George Floyd because the number of people who who uh, saw all those D E and I roles they now they people getting rid of them. Yeah, and I talked about that in a, in a recent article. Yes, absolutely. So yes, I mean, we were just interviewed. I uh, believe was it the LA Times? Yeah, the LA Times. LA Times. That's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's it's, it's and, and I'm not surprised. This is it was corporate blackface in the first when they when these companies came out with these statements with no strategy, it was bullshit. And if this is so important to you, why are you downsizing just because? If this is so important to your business, 
for your innovation, differentiation, and profitability, why is this always the first departments to get cut? Always the first departments to get cut. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not, you don't, it's to you, it's not that important. Right. It was a, a again, going back, it was a box to check. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I can tell you that a lot of these uh, roles are, are, are being eliminated after the affirmative action thing. Can you excuse me for one second? I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Hi. Sorry about that. So it's so interesting. It didn't even occur to me that a lot of the recent layoffs in the DEI, the DEI departments have been after affirmative action. Mm -hmm. It didn't even Mm -hmm. occur to me. Mm -hmm. Yep. I see patterns. You know me. (laughs) I spot patterns. And so if you weren't committed to it and you wanted the excuse to say you're downsizing, that gave you permission. Right. I mean, it's just, again, like how the work's never done. It, we, we talk about this. It's a consistent demonstrated practice. It's a practice mm-hmm. because, because we're living amid the institutions, you know, systems and policies that were designed to oppress. And so mm-hmm. the fact that you could ever eliminate or check a box or restructure the department so that it can satisfy the evolving needs of, yeah, it's all bullshit. And that's why it's the whole no more new wine, old wineskins, and why we're building alternatives. Because that shit is working as design. It is not, there's nothing in it that you can throw a wrench in it and, and mess it up. It is working perfectly. And once people under embrace that and stop saying, oh, it just happened. This is not who we are. Yes, the fuck, this is exactly who we are. How do you have an affirmative action that benefits white people? That's exactly who we are. Yeah. Yep. And now it's now and now white people <laughs> will not benefit. You don't fucked around about to find out. Yep. But again, it won't be long because what's going to happen is just like when, um, you know, everybody wants to talk about um, um Second Amendment, your right to bear arms. That was fine until the Black Panther started bearing up arms, and then all of a sudden we had to have rules we had to get some rules we had to get some rules because <laughs> now these these niggas got y'all can't have no guns hell no 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 not like not that ain't what we meant now now hold up that ain't what we meant y'all so watch watch some shit happen when these white women um start figuring figuring out and start getting hit when these asians start getting hit watch it's gonna be a whole nother oppressive thing that comes up and we're gonna be blamed for it I, I, even when the data does not show that we're taking up space. Again, like 11.4% of HBC, 
historically black colleges and universities in the fucking title, 11.4% are white students. And mind you, they're, they're not even 200 HBCUs. I don't even think they're 150 HBCUs. So even in that small group, white people make up 11.4%. Hell, there are over 100 damn universities just in the state of Georgia. So you think about that. Black people, don't, we don't get to have our own space. I know, even when you were speaking about the model minority myth and just thinking about all the groups that come over and they have their own cultures and it becomes a tourist area. Oh, let's go to, let's yep. go visit Koreatown. Korea let's go town. visit, they have China the best town. restaurants. Yes. Let's, let's go to, let's go to Little Italy. Yes, there's let's an Ethiopian to, restaurant. Yes, that let's, go to, let's go to Little yeah. Jerusalem. Yep. Right, there, like, there's mm. all of these, yet, yeah. Yep, we don't get to have that. Right. And then when you go into our communities, who owns the businesses? It's not us. Every convenience store in the black community is owned by an Asian of some, uh, usually an Asian, um, um, South or Eastern. And you know why? Because they were able to get loans in those communities where we couldn't. In our own communities, we couldn't get loan business loans, but they could get business loans. And these are the conversations that people don't want to have. These are the conversations that other minorities don't want to have in their per perpetuating white supremacy and anti-Blackness. And so those young men who were the plaintiffs in that case, this is the conversation they didn't want to have. Because all you have to do is follow the money. You ain't got to believe me. Follow the money. Who funded it? It wasn't the NAACP. It wasn't the ACLU. These are the conversations when I talk about having uncomfortable conversations, these are the conversations we need to have. We're never going to get anywhere with all of this damn strategic ignorance. And white women really need to come to terms with, they did this shit with su the suffrage movement. They did every turn, every turn they fucked themselves by not being in coalition with everybody else, particularly black women. So as, I mean, I'm not heartless about the abortion issue, but black women and babies have been dying for years. I mean, this is nothing new for us because again, our medical system is rooted in white supremacy and anti-blackness. But unfortunately, white women have to die. Because y'all not getting it. Y'all just ain't fucking getting it. You are still not getting that everything you're, and I get it. Your role is to breed future generations of white supremacists. That's your role. And to maintain white supremacy at all costs for future generations. I get that because, again, I'm not a mother. But again, as a, as a mother, um, as, as, a, as a, your, your job is to protect your child's future. So I get it. And y'all get pissed off when I say y'all breeding white supremacy. 
You can say what the fuck you want to. It's a breeding program. Right. They're trying to force you to have babies. Right. And we're living within, again, we're living within the constraints of a system that most people just are <clears throat> choosing not to see. <laughs> yep. That's, and that's strategic ignorance. I've right. been willful ignorance. I've just, I've, you know, me and my words, I've defined willful ignorance as when you uh, come across a, 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 a different perspective or truth and where they're, and you, you choosing, you're willfully choosing to ignore that. Strategic ignorance is ensuring that you never have to come up against those different truths. And that's what's, that's what, that's why, that's why the, 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 the banning the books, that's why the CRT, they're strategically ensuring that white folks never come or face with the truth. That's why the whole black people benefited from slavery. As if we didn't fucking have, we didn't, as if Africans weren't the originators of fucking civilization in Africa. That Egypt and, and Ethiopia, we weren't fucking, fuck, blacksmith? Is that the best? We were kings and fucking queens. And so all of a sudden, y'all brought us, kidnapped our ancestors and taught them skills so they could be blacksmiths? How fucking derivative and, and condescending and gross is that? It's unbelievable. Coming from, because DeSantis is Latinx or so Hispanic. Right. But that white, that's that minority, that's that model minority. He he passes as white. He's He has such approximation to whiteness that his role, he's a perfect example of the model minority. Mm-hmm. Because he has to outdo Gregory Abbott, who's all white supremacist full on, but he's a white dude. So everything, if you watch, if you watch, he's not only in competition with Trump, but he's in competition for to be the worst version of white supremacy. They do something, Abbott, Trump does something, he's, hold my beer, I got y'all. That's why Elon Musk and them want his ass. Because he perpetuates. And then they can say, oh, but I'm not racist. He's, a, he's, a, he's Hispanic. I'm sure he calls himself Hispanic and not Latinx because that's, I'm sure he, he's, he, he, he probably, I don't know where he's from, but um, that, and that's a whole nother conversation. The difference between Hispanic and folks who call themselves Hispanic and people who call themselves Latin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation within that own community. Mm-hmm. That would be something really interesting to explore on a future podcast. Well, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it because that's not my community. Right. Maybe with a guest. Yes, eventually. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because um, that's a conversation. Because I tried to have that conversation several times on Twitter. Because I was like, y'all not, y'all not helping me. I need words. Y'all not helping me. And many people who consider themselves Hispanic come from Spain, which is white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to be called Latinx because that's from Latin, that, that's a derivative of Latin America. And there's a supremacy in that. They think that, again, white supremacy and anti-Blackness is everywhere. So yeah, he is a perfect example of the model minority myth. 
Everything he's doing is in service to white supremacists. It's the same thing with Candace Owens. It's the same thing with Clarence Thomas. Um, every if they do anything now, Clarence Thomas might might get because too much shit coming out on him. And I'd be interested to see if his wife, his white wife, throws his ass under the bus. I'm waiting for that because it's too much shit coming out on him. And they will throw his ass away in a minute to say whatever the fuck they got. Because he has to be working. What he's doing is in service to white supremacy. It is not in service to him because his ass then fucked up because now they're coming after interracial marriage. Man, you wired to a white woman. You don't think your, your marriage is going to be invalidated? You yeah, what? I know. <laughs> but again, he's doing it in service to white supremacy. Right. So even, yes, exactly. Yeah. So he's falling prey to it. <laughs> he already has. Yep. Everything about him. Okay, you, the way your face is, it seems like we need to go on and move to something joyful now. <laughs> yes, we, yes, we hit our fever pitch and now we're going to find joy. We're going to find joy. Um, well, I will start. Um, let's see. My parents are here. Oh. I um, And the way you said that, it means you like your parents. I do like my parents. I do. I'm excited. We're going to spend some time together this week. Um, it's interesting. We talked last on the last episode about my role um, in our family, and I um, I'm going to be working this week. I'm the primary in my family, but my husband's going away, and I'm thrilled for him. He's going on a trip. He really um, is excited to go away, um, and he's actually going. One of my husband's hobbies is he's in antiques and collectibles. He's going to a big show. Oh, um, yes, he's into sports memorabilia, so he's going to this big show. That he's really excited about. He goes to every year. And we make it work because it's a priority for him. It's mm-hmm. a priority for me. And my parents are coming to help because I, I can't yes, because jugg- you gotta work. <laughs> I can't juggle work and my three what children without the support. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna have a great week. So I'm I'm finding joy in having the family and I'm also finding joy that he gets to get away um yeah. and do him because that's important. Yeah. Uh so yeah. So what about you? Okay, so what am I joyful about? Um the by the time this um airs, my mom will have moved um into a, a place where I could see her being there for the rest of her life. She's moving um because she is in a place where the neighborhood has really changed. She doesn't feel safe, she doesn't feel like she can walk the dog. Um, she's on the fourth floor and the elevator keeps going out. And you know, just just as a 75-year-old woman, it's just not an ideal situation. And so she moves on August 1st. And I'm so she loves the neighborhood she's moving into. She's moving closer to her grandkids. So she's really excited about that. So that's what I'm I'm just ready for her to get. Because that's what I told her. It's like we talked about the last episode that she and I really have a good relationship now. Um, it's more friends. And I was like, I really all what I want for her before she passes when she makes her transition is to have to to experience this joy. Mm-hmm. You know, black women are always just hustling and, and down and taking care of people and that. I'm like, no, I just need you to just to enjoy this part of your life. So this move would be huge for her. There's a park across the, she showed me the park across a, a, a street where she gets to walk the dog. And because uh, he's, you know, she has an emotional support animal. So, and he likes, and he loves to be outside. He hasn't been outside 
if I'm not, if I, if I'm not there, she doesn't take him outside and I haven't been there, in a while, you know, so he likes to be outside. So I, that's what I'm really just to see her, her little blossom open up where that's she great. can. Like, yeah. 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 Because being people to take for granted, being in a, living in a place where you just feel safe, where you're not always just like stressed about I mean, Like when I was there, I had to actually I had gotten to an altercation because this white dude was trying to get into the building. And I was like, no, you're not getting in the building. And he was outside screaming and hollering and yelling. I was like, okay, you can do all of that shit, but you're not getting in this building. I remember because you opened it up because you had the code and he tried to get in behind you or something, I had right? The key. Oh, the key. Yeah. And uh-huh. he was, he put in the code, was waiting for somebody. And I was like, okay, you got to wait for them. To, and he grabbed the door and I'm like, you're not coming in. And in that moment, but that was in that moment that I re- I was no longer afraid of white men. Cause I was like, and he's like, he's going to call, call the cops. What are you going to say? I'm trying to get in the building. I don't have egress into it. I don't know. So yeah, I'm happy for her to be out of that situation. There are a lot of stray dogs. Um, just, it's just, just not a good, and this is where um, we lived for a long time, but the neighborhood is just really, like in most places, the neighborhood just really has changed. And for elderly, somebody, you know, elderly person, it's just like, you know, that's just a headache she just doesn't need. So she's going to be on the first floor apartment, <laughs> not far from her grandkids. The dog can go out for a walk. Yeah. So yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, with that, I guess we wrap us up. Do you want me to wrap? Do you want to do the honors? Um, <laughs> go ahead. Cause I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> We always close with the same invitation. We are laying the foundation for a future that is hopeful, authentic, and strategic in action. Will you join us? 